Welcome to Women Igniting Change, the place to be for women leaders and decision makers who are passionate about changing the world and determined to act. I'm your host, Robin Jorgensen, former corporate executive, global speaker, and founder and CEO of Women Igniting Change. Let's dive in. Welcome back, change makers. This is the Women Igniting Change podcast. And I'm thrilled to introduce you to another incredible woman creating social impact and change in the world. Today in the studio, I have Danny Klein Modisette, the founder and CEO of Laughter on Call. She is a comedian and writer who taught stand up at UCLA for 10 years, was on the Forbes 50 over 50 list, has been published in numerous publications, including AARP, the New York Times, the LA Times, and many, many more. And her company has been used as a case study for Harvard Business School. How cool is that? And today we're going to dive into how she helps companies and individuals combine compassion with comedy to boost morale, relieve stress, and improve communication. Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for yeah. having me. I'm excited to dive into this because this is not something that you typically associate, especially in the corporate space. Um, so I love that you provide this service and we're going to dive into all of that in a minute. But let's start with what drew you to create Laughter on Call to begin with. So this was a really deeply personal experience you had with your mom that led you to found this company. Share with us a little bit about that and how it really solidified your commitment to bringing laughter to other people that were facing similar challenges to you. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's interesting, actually. This is coming up on the four-year anniversary of my wow. mother's passing, so which is crazy. I, it's just blip, blip, blip. But yeah. yes, so um, my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she became depressed. I had relocated her from New York City, where she was living, to Los Angeles to be near my family. And I found this location for her, this community for her, where there was like a chandelier and it was beautiful and bright and sunny. I thought, oh, she's going to feel like she's on the Upper East Side. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, it worked for like, I don't know, a couple of days. And then she realized <laughs> she wasn't leaving. She became depressed and withdrawn. And um, I felt super guilty about that. And I was at my dentist and, you know, because it's LA, she's like also like a life coach. <laughs> and I was like, I just wish I could hire a comedian to cheer my mother up. And she was like, oh yeah, why don't you, that sounds like a good idea. You should do that. And I thought, wait, what, can I do that? But uh, anyway, I put up on Facebook looking for comedian interested in gerontology paid gig because I wanted someone to answer. And my phone rang immediately. It was my friend on the East Coast, she said, I have a friend who wants to work with seniors. She's sitting on park benches in LA. You should call her. She's a comedian. Wow. Yeah. So um, I brought the woman in and um, she did so much instinctively. A lot of what we now train, of course, in cognitive decline, which is that she she got at eye level with her. She completely took her mm -hmm. in. She was and she was authentic and in the moment and said, I know you don't want to talk to me. No, you're probably thinking, who is this schmuck just talking? <laughs> and much like you, my mother started laughing. She, when yeah. she heard the word schmuck, she was like right. schmuck. And like her face lit up. She started laughing. And then of course the comedian being a comedian was topping her. So it was like a, the schmuck, schmuck, it was like a schmuck off. And they were just, it was, that was it. The light was back. And interestingly then, the woman handed my mother a glass of water and she took the water. And so you saw that just right there, 
like that creation of trust and connection. And I was like, okay, I'm in, of course I'm in, you're hired. So I hired her for eight hours a week initially, and she could make her own schedule just to make my mother laugh. Like that was her intention. And it, it really did work. Like it, it just lit my mother up. Even when she wasn't with the comedian, she started like joining in her community and being more engaged and even singing. And, uh, and so I wrote an article about that experience for AARP magazine. And I got like hundreds of requests for comedians around, around the world for people who were in this position. And so that's basically how I launched. Like the, that was the impetus. I then, I got some angel money to launch and, uh, and that was five years ago, which I cannot believe it's been five years, but yeah, that's, so it's very personal for me. It remains very personal for me right. in terms of like, you know, where we've grown that was unexpected. Um, but the idea of using laughter to create human connection, if I look back on the last 30 years, like that's always been my game. That's always been what I've wanted is seeing laughter as a way in to talk about other more kind of weightier subjects, things that make people uncomfortable. But if you get them laughing, right. they'll listen and you can connect. So yeah. What a beautiful gift you gave your mom. That's I that's incredible. That's cool. It was cool. Yeah. So as someone that's bridged that that gap between comedy and caregiving. What are some surprising connections or parallels that you've discovered between those two things? Oh my goodness. I do. I talk about so many. I have a training that I do. <laughs> and I talk about so many, but you know, like letting go the moment before, like so important, right? As a comedian, you know, if you say a joke and it bombs, like you can't go in the bathroom and cry. Like you have to go to your next joke. And it's the same thing. Caregiving, especially in cognitive decline is, every moment is different. Every moment is different. And so you yeah. have to be able to let go of a moment so that you can be available to the next moment, you know? And I talk a lot about, you know, finding laughter where you least expect it. So, and you're not going to find it if you're invested or ruminating about a moment that didn't go exactly the way it should have gone, which Got is it. direct parallel to, to comedy for sure. Yeah. I mean, and there's more. I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> so you've written, as I said in the beginning, you've written a lot about the power of humor in difficult times. Take oh. us back to a moment that you witnessed laughter outside of your mom, truly transforming someone's emotional state or perspective. And how did that inspire you? Hmm. That's a really good question. I'm thinking about the ones, you know, that, that weren't necessarily funny but that mm -hmm. made a transformation because okay. one of the things that we talk about is, you know, laughter is the, is the overarching kind of umbrella under which human connection can live. And so of course our, our goal always is to make people laugh, but along the way, if what you get is authentic communication, it's a win. Yeah. Right. And so I, I love to, think about, you know, we do a lot of interactive storytelling with seniors, like, and seniors at all phases of cognitive decline, and particularly in dementia and Alzheimer's, because what happened was I was going to these communities and seeing basically, you know, one guy playing blowing in the wind and like 12 people asleep. <laughs> and, 
And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I know we can do better than this. Like, come right. on. So we started doing lots of interactive work with, uh, with people in cognitive decline. And one of the games that we play, it's all improv and it's all interactive. So we're going on a cruise. Where should we go? And then it's a lot of taking suggestions from the audience. Mm-hmm. And there was one woman, uh, and then we asked for drinks. Who would like a drink? And you give them choices. Choices are always better than open-ended, right? right. You can have a glass of wine or a glass of champagne. Mm-hmm. And I go to this one and say, pass one. And she looked up and she said, shut up, shut up. And I was like, oh, I'm okay. I will shut up. Why should I shut up? What's going on? What is it right. terrible here? And she was like, it's very loud. And I was like, you're right. Yes, it is loud. It's too loud. You're right. And then by the end, I hooked her and like she started laughing because I was what we call yes ending. Very mm-hmm. big improv tool. I we use yes and in our programs too. Yeah, like it came long before it left on call. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, you know, something where you can create a connection and you can get to laughter. Like you may not, you know, because like we don't do stand up, and that's um, if I could, I could show you. We have a we used to have a microphone in the logo when we launched because we worked initially with stand ups to do right. one on one. But we don't tell jokes. And so it was confusing for people. They would see the microphone and say, you know, can you roast my grandmother? It's like, no, we're not going to do that. That's not what we do. (laughs) No, because it's about engagement, right? Right. So that's always um, where we're headed is is that. So that becomes the most important thing. But Mm -hmm. from there, you create the connection and create the trust. Like that woman knew she could trust me because I said yes to what she was saying, which is unusual in dementia care. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. the impulse is no, that's no, I already told you that. No, you know, and it's human, but what's more effective is to just say yes. So yes, it's, you're right. And then you create the trust and then you create the Mm -hmm. engagement and then you can get to laughter in that way. Got it. So I think you alluded to this just a moment ago, but with laughter on call, your approach focuses on something called affiliative humor. Affiliative humor. Yeah. Yeah, you said explain, it right. Explain what that is and how that approach really fosters that inclusivity and connection and breaks down those barriers. Yeah, absolutely. So affiliative humor is very specific from the word affiliation, right? It's a lot like what okay. it sounds. It's about bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And it's really important for us that we make that distinction because we're not sarcastic. We're we're not aggressive. We don't do any kind of put down humor or like go to the clubs for that. Like, it's just not what you're mm-hmm. going to get with us. As I've said now, I feel like I'm overstating, like our goal is human connection. And so that's not a way to do it. If I'm going to go like, oh, good, good choice on the What's the size of that microphone? You know, mm-hmm. like you're not going to want to talk to me. You're going to be self-conscious. Right. So what we always look for is how can we make people feel better? So that's like a specific laughter on call, whether it's the senior community or a, a corporate team that, mm-hmm. that needs connection. And we really like to train leaders to use that kind of comedy and to set uh, create a culture where that's the humor. We're obviously big fans of levity, but it has to be levity that's inclusive, especially now given the climate, given how sensitive everyone is. Right. Uh, you really have to have an ear toward not having a tone or 
humor that uh, can be perceived as a put down because it doesn't get mm -hmm. the best work out of people. That's the right. bottom line thing. Yeah. So let's keep diving into that vein a little bit. So you provide services both in the corporate space and for, as you mentioned, individuals with cognitive decline. How does your team tailor that approach to uniquely address the needs of those different audiences? Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to answer that. I just want to catch people up on how we even ended up in the corporate space. Awesome. It, it was clearly not right. Like the mission initially. Was, yes. <laughs> the mission was uh, reach people in cognitive decline to mitigate feelings of isolation and employ okay. comedians. Like that was, I was very clear about that. But then of course, March 20th, we literally were shut out of our clientele. Like I was told you're done. It's done. Um, and, but I was thinking, okay, well, wait a minute. Cause we have a camera in the office. We've been training comedians around the world. And I was like, we have a camera and I think we can do that thing that kids do the live streaming. <laughs> I think we can live stream <laughs> to our people and invite them to come in because it was so isolating. As we all know, COVID was just life changing. Right. So that's what we started to do. We had lunchtime laughter. It met Monday through Friday from 12 to 1230. It was free. And we were thinking, okay, this is going to be for our people, like our caregivers and people with Alzheimer's yeah. to make them feel less alone. Well, very quickly, like perfectly lucid people were showing up who were just feeling isolated and afraid and needed some kind of human connection. Right. And at the same time, I was reading all these articles in the Harvard Business Review and the Atlantic and LA Times, New York Times about HR crisis, HR, what are they going to do to keep people? And this is unprecedented, as we know, we heard right. that word a thousand times. And so they, uh, what do we do? And so we knew what to do. Like we just, we had been doing it. We were all about mm -hmm. creating connection in isolation. Now it was on a much bigger scale. So that's how we ended up in the corporate space. That November, in fact, is when we launched and we were just wonderfully full of need. There was so much need and international teams too. And so that's been one of the perks ultimately is that we we created a model where you can have your programmers in India and your salespeople in Israel and, you know, three people in Wisconsin, because I feel like every company has people in Wisconsin. <laughs> and you get them all to communicate and to kind of play a game together and do something that creates relationship and creates right. trust. Because laughter specifically nurtures trust, creates feelings of trust. So if you have that experience in a big Zoom room and we go into breakout rooms over 20. So we make sure everybody's really engaged. If you have that experience, you're that much more likely to pick up the phone to call that person. Right. And, and that's what is in we need right now, because everyone thought, oh, we're all going to go back to the office. Right. That's not our experience. Like right. our experience is it's a hybrid world. And and a lot of companies even gave up their commercial space. And yeah, so, sure. you know, how do you keep people engaged and yeah. connected to each other and create relationship and mentoring? That's really, really hard. The younger generations, it's very, mm -hmm. very challenging. But at least if you can have us come in and we're joyful, like everyone's super high energy and it's very specific what we're addressing. So like you need team building. Great. Here's this set of 
exercises. Oh, right. we need to build confidence. Okay, great. Here's this set of exercises. Like it's very customized to whatever people need. I love that you tailor the approach to the needs of the organization. That's huge. So it's not cookie cutter off the shelf, you know, no, no, no. in the box kind of thing. Love that. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. does what you bring into organizations create a more innovative environment and get them out of status quo and business as usual? Oh, well, the whole nature of improv is to create in the moment, is to allow yourself to be in the moment. But something that we really stress, and I also want to say that we do this in person too, in case it sounds like all we do is virtual, we go all over the world. Like I was in Mexico doing an event bilingual for the uh, uh, international bakery, whose name I will not say, but everything (laughs) in your kitchen you've probably made by them. But that was really amazing. So yes, being in person, also fantastic. Uh, And so the way that you're able to do this, first of all, by leading with affiliative humor, which I can't emphasize that enough, by creating a space that is safe, where people Mm -hmm. throw out their ideas and you're going to make mistakes. Something we talk all the time about is making mistakes. Like there really aren't any. Like it's okay. Because that can be a launch point for a new creative idea that you wouldn't have even ever had. And so once you establish that in a safe space and people are laughing then they're that much more likely to bring an idea forward because they're not afraid that they're going to get mocked or, you know, somebody's going to put them down for it. It's like, yeah, it's all good. And so if you can start to exercise that muscle as a group where, where, yeah, we want to hear your ideas, then again, you're just that much more likely to stumble upon or be brought an idea that you wouldn't have thought of yourself. Yeah. And I think a lot of companies we find, you know, they say that they're creating and cultivating this environment of it's okay to fail. It's no problem until somebody fails. And then they get their hand slapped and then they're like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. Mm. So this really sounds like it's a way not only to open up this space, but keep that even after you've left, which is huge. Right. Right. I mean, that's interesting because I made a mistake. I wrote a blog about it. I made a mistake with an employee. I can't remember what it was now. Um, but I had to own it. I think too, like if, if, you know, if you own it, take responsibility for it and are able to have a sense of humor about it. If it's Mm -hmm. not dire, if somebody didn't die, God forbid, right. Then, then, then people don't feel just like their hand was slapped and they better be quiet from now on. And this is, I think where empathy comes in as well, rather than sympathy, right? Rather mm-hmm. than, oh, that's, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. You know, right. you need a little patronizing. Yeah. A, a different choice would be, wow, the, I have done that. I have done that. Maybe not this time, but I have done that. And I totally get why that happened. You know, we just can't have it happen. So what can we do mm-hmm. to move forward? Like, I get it. I think that whole, like, I get it is such a more effective leadership yeah then, hmm, interesting. Right. Well, because it it lets the employees relate to, you know, a superior or manager on a completely different level and see each other human to human. Yeah. And when you can start there, that's the jumping off point. Yeah. You just get better work out of people. Right. (laughs) And out of yourself. Like when there's more, and that I do think is somewhat a byproduct also of COVID is this whole idea of humanity. Like 
like all of our humanity was brought to the office, so to speak. On full display. (laughs) And still is, like still is, right? And, you know, if you have a cat walking across your face in a meeting, like it's all, it's so humanizing, but how can we then take it a step further and create engagement with each other? Mm -hmm. Because that's the missing piece, that kind of socialization and, and just human communication, which I always joke, well, it didn't happen to us, but sometimes people are like two minutes late, right? Like we were supposed to meet at 1130 and, and what if I came out at 1132? I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm right. so sorry, I'm late. You would never do that. You didn't do that in real life, but we're all so like conscious of the clock and like, yeah. okay, I got it. You That's know? That's so true. And so I try to like tell, like, it's okay. Create things. Create <laughs> You know, it's all good. Yeah. So I'm going to spell this out. You introduced this concept of B-H-I-L-A-T-Y-S, which I'm going to explain in a minute. Yeah. This is a tool for caregivers and families. Correct. So share what that is and give us an example of a personal story where someone embraced those tools and experienced positive change in their caregiving journey as a result. What is that? Okay, sure. So it's pronounced Bilates. Bilates, Bilates, right? Love it. Good for you for not even taking it on. Because it's a. if you don't know, it's a play on Pilates. Like it? Pilates, and it's for strengthening your caregiver core. Very cool. I like it. You know, it's a little bit corny, but it's people get it. They meant, and it's effective. So it's eight tools. Right. So it's breathing, honesty, imperfection, letting go of the moment before, appreciation, timing, yes and, and silly. So those are the eight. Very cool. And that's kind of the methodology or the framework for running these workshops. And all it does is like give people, if they can remember that, it's like what the thing that acronyms do. It helps you kind of think about a tool. Right. And, you know, there's so many ways that 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 particular acronym rings a bell for caregivers. Yeah. The B just, you know, just just taking a breath. And I think here's the thing. So that's for caregivers. Right. Every tool there is for everybody. Right. I mean, the only difference is I would say the way that I teach the yes and in the caregiving community is different than how we teach it in corporate. Yeah. In the caregiving community, in cognitive decline, you just want to say yes. I think I mentioned that earlier. Like there's no point in arguing and like saying that's not right. Like, yes, yes. For those set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. But obviously I can't go into Amazon leaders and say, you know, the yes, just say yes. Like (laughs) a little bit different, right? It's more, yes, I hear you. And have you thought about X, Y, Z or yes. And I'd like to hear more about that before I make a decision. Do you Mm -hmm. know? So it's the same tool, but it's being, the context is different. And I think that's true of most of those tools. Like it's interesting for the A for, it's for appreciation, right? And, uh, and for caregivers, um, I talk about, you know, appreciate people who help you in your world. And also take the time to appreciate yourself. 
which is mm-hmm. you know, the hardest, the hardest, hardest. And then I, because caregivers instinctively don't do that. So I have them write a letter in those workshops. Dear me, what I love about you is. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. And then they write the letter and then they get to have that letter and put it on their refrigerator or their mirror or whatever. Now, again, not going to go into Bristol Myers probably and say, okay, write a letter. Dear me, what I love about you is like that. It's just (laughs) not, (laughs) even though everybody could use that, by the way. For sure. Like corporate training, they might, they might resist. Received a little differently. Yeah. Yes. But we can use another tool, another game, uh, actually called Tell Me Something Good. And it's right from the song, Tell Me Something Good. Yeah. And so we do that where you break into twos and you go back and forth. Tell me something good. And you, and you teach people through that game, Mm -hmm. silly. To, to capture the, the, the minutia that's positive. You can say the big things. Oh, I'm getting married, you know, or I got a free cup of coffee today. Like, right. like but it, it, it focuses the lens for people to take in those smaller moments and to exercise maybe a gratitude muscle. But again, I'm not going to lecture any. I would if you wanted me to, but what's more <laughs> effective is, is engagement. Yeah. It's getting people playing. It's ear, it's experiential learning, yeah. which is really more effect getting it in your body. It's why we drill that yes. And game mm-hmm. is you literally getting it into your mouth saying yes. Don't say no. It was funny. I was teaching a workshop at Duke at Fuqua mm-hmm. at the business school and, you know, I wrote this book about laughter and marriage, the, the um, value of laughter for going the distance in marriage. It's called Take My Spouse, Please. Yes, I know. <laughs> no, but it is about staying. People think it's about leaving. And we were, do- so I was, they brought me in to do a workshop for the spouses of people in the business school. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we're doing that. And of course, they're going to learn stuff for business school as well. And right. So we did a yes and game and we break into groups and everybody does their yes and they're supposed to create the most amazing vacation together. Uh, Just- that's what we use too for yes and as a vacation scenario. Oh, that's really? Hard. So sometimes we do party, but depends on the time of year. So we did it. And then afterward we talk about it. We say, okay, what'd you get out of that? What'd you feel? And this one guy said, you know, like, uh, I found out I'm really more of a yes, but person. <laughs> And I thought, yeah, that's that's really good insight. Right. Because you don't do as much with a but. Because mm-hmm. it shuts people down if you're going to keep throwing all the reasons why not. Right. So that I thought that was really interesting. So that's, you know, I'm just trying to think of all those. The S, again, like that's why in the caregiver space, the S is for silly. Like, just remember to be silly. Right. And not take everything so seriously. Well, that for sure, but like literally be silly because right. when, when there's no language, right. When, when nothing, it, it, the only way to get to them is, is through movement and voice yeah. and energy, then you got to take a risk. Mm-hmm. So it's really just encouraging people to or whatever, because mm-hmm. you'll get 
you will get a connection. I, I have very distinct memories of connecting with my mother, making a face or, you know, because they will mirror back. And that's how you know you've connected. That's an actual yeah. technical term, mirroring. And that's why it's so important to take care of yourself when you're a caregiver, because they're, they're going to reflect back whatever you're bringing in. Yeah. Like your energy really matters. So, yeah. So let's dive into the, the universal power of humor. So you've talked about conducting these workshops virtually all over the globe and needing to transcend language and cultural barriers. So how does that cross-cultural interaction leave that indelible mark in, and what is that power of universal humor globally? Um, I think the way that you get there, like that's the way that you get to that universal power of humor, because we get that question often. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, my team is all over the world. So how, how, what do you mean you do laughter? Like they're, how are they going to understand the jokes? Yep. Because humor is subjective and it's often grounded in cultural Right. Icons. And so the way that we do that is by asking questions. And so the okay. humor is actually generated in the in the room. So if we one game that we love is like five things. Right. So and it's like five things in your refrigerators. It's it's five things. It's categories. OK. You, you're given a category and you have to say it as fast as you can answer as quickly as you can. And it's to help you stop editing to help you and you don't even have they don't even have to be real things you can just say things as fast as you can and what happens is you learn about the person and you learn about their culture so and i i don't uh, just the most memorable one early on was a team in india the india ones we have to get up for like at five in the morning by the way sure. time <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> um, and it was like five someone was thrown you know five of your favorite desserts and this guy was so cute. He he started sharing the different, he Googled like quick, you know, really quickly, like Googled the different desserts and was showing us the different desserts. <laughs> and and immediately, like you could feel everyone kind of leaning in and like it was so you and we learned about desserts that he loves. So we learned something about him, we learned something about the culture. And so that's why particularly what we do and the way we execute is to bring that out, is to ask questions and to have them, you know, we also will do kind of like origin story of the company completely made up. So, and it's one, oh, sentence, one sentence at a time and we'll do it in like, you know, the style of a primordial ooze from, you know, that world, like a science fiction version of how the company started. And so each person adds their description, their moment yeah. in, in time. And so you get to learn about them and their create where their mind goes. Right. They're contributing and everybody's contributing to something bigger. And that's another really important point is like mm -hmm. building on each other's ideas. Yep. Again, speaking to affiliative humor. And so I, that is the way uh, we've never had a situation where people felt like left out. Like, I don't get it because they're in it. Right. So creating it in the moment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What role do you think humor plays in resiliency, both with individuals and within teams and communities? Well, 
the great thing about when you can laugh and, and humor, in my opinion, is that it immediately lends perspective. Like mm. if you can laugh about something, if you find yourself laughing, there's already hope. There's already hope that it it's it's not forever. Like once you can laugh. And and that, of course, feeds directly into resilience. And that's the biggest challenge of working in the Alzheimer's space is finding yeah. that because there is no answer and it is forever. Right. But that's why you have to find those moments. I guess I'm very um, Alzheimer's focused right now because of the anniversary of my mother's death. But that idea of, you know, finding laughter where you least expect it in that arena, again, is different than in a business arena. Right. But if you're able to introduce a little bit of humor in a in a bad situation, a deal fell apart that everybody was, you know, counting on or maybe something was misquoted, you know, and that can be, I've had that happen, like that's really rough. But if you're able to allow people to have their feelings of disappointment and, mm-hmm. you know, be there in that way and then be sensitive to it and find a way to show it's going to be okay. Like it's yeah. Gonna be okay. And that is the gift, I think, of laughter is that once you're able to laugh, you can get like, it's going to be okay. I do have a really good story about that. If, I mean, if we have that. Yeah, let's do it. So I had a big event for a chemical company. I'm not going to say what company. Okay. And I was told that it was lawyers. There's a room of lawyers, 150 lawyers or something. So <laughs> me being me, I wrote a bunch of lawyer jokes. Right. Like nothing big, but like I'm t- talking to them, like I'm talking to lawyers. And I see a little piece of paper being passed in front of me. And then it finally gets to me and I open it up and it says, we're not lawyers. Oh, we're, no. <laughs> we're pharmacists or something. And I'm like, oh my God. Uh, okay. And here's the thing. Like it was so humiliating. Like it was bad, <laughs> but it all, I used it as an opportunity. I just said, hey, you just saw me fail publicly. Like, you just experienced right. this. But you know what? Like, I'm not going to go to the bathroom and cry, which I referenced that earlier. I guess that's my instinct. I, I might cry later, but I'm not, I'm not going to cry right now. Like, it's all about the rebound. Yeah. Right? So so being an example of that, I think, is is really is really important and and reflects that it's possible, like it's possible to rebound in that way and to use humor in that way and to not look at things as like, you know, and I wanted to feel that way. And I probably did shed a few tears later that week um, upon reflection, but in the moment, like to be able to show that resiliency is, it gives permission then you have people that feel comfortable and and bringing their humanity. And then, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's like saying the same thing over and over, but it's because I really believe in it. Yeah. So you've, you've had the opportunity to witness the profound impact of humor on and laughter on mental wellness. How do you think, have you seen it being used to destigmatize conversations around mental health and promote greater well-being? Yeah. So as I said, I've been doing this my 
whole career. Yeah. Right? So I don't ever talk about this, but I did a, a sh- I toured with a comedy show about eating disorders for oh, wow. like two years about anorexia and bulimia called Too Thin. Um, wow. T-W-O Thin. And it was really popular in the college market. And so again, like being able to, and I would have so many young women after come up yeah. to me and, and reveal and want help. And so comforted by somebody telling the truth and not shame and without shame. Yeah. And I think that's consistent through all mental illness, including Alzheimer's is like that we, if you can talk about it and, and not express it with shame, you give permission for other people to come forward. So, and if you can do it with a sense of humor, that's like miraculous for people, especially if they're very, very trapped in their own ruminating about something to be able to, again, it's like that empathy uh, thing of like, no, no, I get that. I get it. And I hear you and I'm with you and it's Mm -hmm. okay. And so I think that's what, um, you know, humor is so much about truth. And that's the... Excuse me. In the Bilates thing, the H is honesty. Right. And having the courage to be honest as as not only for yourself, but as an example to others. So I think that's that's the way in is is being honest. So we've talked about how laughter can bridge those gaps in communication and create connections. How do these lessons from comedy and compassion apply to our broader society and fostering more understanding and unity, especially in the massive division, at least here in the U.S. that we have right now. How do we how do we connect those two things? Big question. Big I know. Question. Big topic. But our society um, needs a lot of help. So I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we talk a lot about active listening. Yeah. Right. So it's about allowing for for people to have their opinion and hear it and be present for it and engage instead of just. And that is really challenging right now. People are very heated about whatever it is that they believe in and they're not necessarily open to hearing something else. Um, How do we bring humor into that to try to, to break through that barrier and that wall that people tend to put up right now? Well, I don't often pitch this for women because I'm not the biggest fan of this tool for women, but self-deprecation is a great tool for creating human connection. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, but you don't want to use it for anything that you're being paid to do, right? I'm not going to come on here and go, well, I mean, Robin, I wish I was funny. (laughs) Like that's going to upset people (laughs) like what? Um, But if you're able to find some vulnerability of of yourself, disarming, literally disarming to lead with that and to try to connect in that way when someone's coming at you, uh, it takes courage, but to my mind, it is the way in. It is the way in. Yeah. Where can our listeners learn more about Laughter on Call? Oh, uh, at laughteroncall.com is the website. Uh, There's lots of opportunity to watch videos and read about us and also uh, outreach, a contact form. And then 
all social. It's at Laughter on Call. It's very, very easy. Beautiful. Danny, thank you so much. This was fun and entertaining and educational all at the same time. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, you've got a, such a beautiful smile. It's hard to, uh, hard okay. to resist. Yeah. Thank you. For our All listeners, right. we will have links to Laughter on Call and a lot of resources that Danny mentioned, and we'll see you back here next time. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Women Igniting Change. I know creating change matters to you. If you enjoy what we talk about on the show, please take one action today and share it with someone who could benefit from listening. Until next time, keep standing up and speaking out for what matters.